1: Hey, it's Peter. We want to invite you to our brand new live event, the Wait Wait Comedy Club, on the Internet. It's March 2nd at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll have all kinds of comedy by our panelists Joel Kim, Booster, Maeve Higgins, Helen Hong, and Mo Rocca, with guest stand-up host Maz Jobrani. Learn more and get tickets at nprpresents.org. That's nprpresents.org. And we hope to see you there, virtually. We can't actually see you, but you will be able to see us. Thanks.
2: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Hey, Rose, forget about Jack. Near, far, wherever you are, your heart will go on. With me, Bill Curtis, and here's your host, a man who wants you all to know it's not Valentine's Day,
1: it's St. Valentine's Day, Peter Sagal. Thank you so much, Bill. It was an odd Valentine's Day this year. If you're single, you haven't been able to go out and meet anyone for a year, and if you're married, well, a romantic night in did not seem that tempting.
2: You should do what my wife and I do, Peter. We each start at opposite ends of the mansion, and if we happen to run into each other, it
1: seems like serendipity. We're all still recovering from chocolate hangovers, so this week we're offering a selection of segments that made our hearts skip a beat from recent shows.
2: Speaking of hearts beating faster, we interviewed Tyra Banks in September of last year. Peter asked her if she had been taking it easy during the pandemic.
3: Oh, no. I uh, started a ice cream company during the pandemic. So <laughs> <laughs> a year ago, I trademarked my cream. Smize is the word I created, which means smile with your eyes.
4: Oh, um,
3: Oh, we know. Yes. And it was supposed to be a late 2021 business. But during the pandemic, I was like, people need ice cream.
1: Are you ever tempted just to say, I've done enough in this world and put on your fat pants and lie around for the rest of it?
3: Oh my God, hell no. <laughs> um, I just, I, well, I have put on the fat pants during quarantine, Oh almost
1: can. <laughs> <laughs> I would say running an ice cream company is a good step in that direction. Tyra. Yeah, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> now I want to get to smizing, which as you say, is a term you invented. I'm, I'm delighted you've trademarked it. It's smiling with your eyes. How did you come up with this in the first place?
3: I came up with it because... Um, there's a way that when you look at a photo and you feel nothing, it's actually because the person is not smiling. So it's like their eyes are dead and they're not giving you anything. So for me, I turned that into smiling with your eyes and I would teach models and even my family and friends about smiling with their eyes. And I was like, wait, that is too much. When we tell somebody to smile for the camera, we say cheese. So I need to make this one syllable. So I stayed up all night y'all one night, stayed up all night and I was writing on my paper Smize, S M E Y E S, Smize, S M I S E, Smize, all this stuff. And finally, I was, I put S M I Z E, and I was like, that's it. And then I ran and trademarked it before I said it anywhere in the world.
1: So you, I love this. Not only did you come up with the idea, you stayed up all night like a mad scientist in his lab, <laughs> running back and forth, adjusting the machinery until you got the right word. <laughs> that's exactly. fabulous. Okay. If we, and we'll talk about like everyday people, not models, want to smile with their eyes and let people know that there's something going on, what sort of things should they be thinking?
3: There's many different ways. There's a sultry, sensuous, fierce smile, and you need to be thinking about something that you love, like pizza. Then oh, there's wow. the smile of delight and of, and of pleasure and a sweetness. So there's like different ones, and you have to think of different things to create a different, to, to activate a different muscle in your face.
5: I didn't realize there was all the different I thought it was one smise fits all. I didn't realize there's all these <laughs> oh, different what? types. There's
3: a the you... super smise, there's a you better record smise. There's <laughs> a paper smise. There's, there's all kinds of smises. But you know what? Guess who will not put smise in the dictionary? No, tell me. Merriam Webster. Oh wow. We keep calling the Merriam-Webster people. What? And they're just like, oh, you know, we've been, we've had our eye on Smythe for a couple of years. And I'm like, you know what? Now you just hate me.
1: <laughs> Depending on the editors of the Merriam-Webster dictionary, you might be better off sending them the cover of that Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do wonder, I mean, as someone yeah. who was struck by that photograph when it first appeared some years ago, I do wonder what you were thinking at that point.
3: I was thinking... What the hell is this photographer doing? These Polaroids back in the day, they would show you like a test shot with a Polaroid. Yes. These Polaroids look crazy. It's raining outside. It's overcast. I have dark circles under my eyes. This new ass photographer does not know what the hell he's doing. These pictures are going to be awful. And then the pictures came out and they were amazing. So I don't know what yeah. the hell he was doing with Polaroid because they were a hot mess.
1: So that's your look of confused dissatisfaction?
3: <laughs> that, that's the look. And then <laughs> I was on it again last year. And um, for the first time in the history of the Sports Illustrated having a website, not Sports Illustrated, so edition website, but Sports Illustrated website, it crashed.
1: Really? <laughs>
3: so I'm proud of you. You crashed the
1: Sports <laughs> Illustrated <laughs> yeah. website. That's great. <laughs> um, so one last one last question, if I can. You are, of course, as we have been discussing, a supermodel, and we read that the person you find most attractive in this world is Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> and first of all, as a fellow bald Jewish man, thank you. But second, what is it about Larry David?
3: Um, It is something about his humor. It is something about his walk. It is his facial expressions. It's his <laughs> eyes. He just does it for me. <laughs>
1: <sighs> Larry, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tyra Banks, it is an absolute joy to talk to you, but we have, in fact, invited you here to play a game we're calling Catwalk Meet Dog Walk. Oh, God. You've spent years, among many other things, teaching aspiring models to strut their stuff in the catwalk. But what do you know, we wondered, about walking dogs? So we're going to ask you three questions about dog walkers, professional and otherwise. And if you get two right, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might choose in their voicemail. Bill, who is Tyra Banks playing for? John Peck of New York, New York. All right. Here's your first question, Tyra. A dog walker in the U.K. once had police called on him after he was caught doing what? A, sniffing the butts of humans while his dog did it to their dog. B, playing fetch with his dog with a hand grenade. Or C, asking people for money to help pay for his, quote, son's hair removal surgery.
3: Oh, it's definitely
1: sniffing booty. She, she, I did, like, she, the dog is sniffing the dog. He bends down and sniffs the person. People got oh. upset and called the police. Yeah. No, it was actually playing fetch with a hand grenade. Ooh. They found it in a washed-up uh, cache of uh, ammunition from World War II. Not a problem. You have two more chances. All right. According to the Wall Street Journal, dog walking in Manhattan is so competitive that what sometimes happens: a premium dog walkers advertise the ability to speak up to twenty different breeds of quote bark talk. B. The occasional give us one dog to walk will give you back two special promotions. Or C, rival dog walkers will watch to see if you don't pick up droppings and then leave a little sign with your name by the poop if you don't.
3: Whoa. Um, I'm going to say C, three. They are so competitive, they rat you out.
1: That is exactly right. I'm both impressed and a little worried that you immediately knew that was the right answer. All right. You have one more chance. If you do this, you're America's next top quiz answerer. I have no idea. All right. (laughs) In 2016, a Los Angeles man had considered starting a dog-walking business but didn't want to deal with the poop, so he pivoted to doing what instead? A, becoming a dog food sommelier who provides samples and recommend wines for your dog. B, a dog impersonation service. He'll act as your dog in a furry suit for 10 bucks an hour. Or C, he started the first-ever people-walking business. He'll take you out for 7 bucks a mile.
3: I think it is A... He is a dog sommelier, and he has like fancy foods and like alcohol-free great water juice.
1: So, so you think that people are like asking people like what what pairs with Alpo?
3: What what pairs? With, uh, <laughs> oh, with wine? I thought it was food too. Oh, no, no it's just no. wine. No, I thought wine for dogs. Food. Okay, I'm gonna go with. Uh, people walk, but for seven walks a mile, I think he's really cutting himself short.
1: I love the fact that you knew enough that A, you knew what he was doing and B, you knew he was undercharging people. That is a Stanford Graduate School of Business instructor, ladies and gentlemen. You're right. That's what it was. And apparently there were a lot of people who wanted to take him up on it. People wanted to go for walks with company.
3: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Bill, how did Tyra Banks do
2: in our quiz? Tyra did very well, two out of three, and she'll be waltzing and dancing with the stars.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. Now you know how people feel when they win your competition. Totally.
3: I feel, like, great.
1: Tyra Banks is a model, <laughs> actor, host, best-selling author, and you can next see her as the host of this season of Dancing with the Stars, Mondays on ABC. Tyra Banks, what a joy to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me.
3: Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.
1: Because it's a Valentine's Day-themed show today, we need to offer a clarification before our next segment.
2: Nudism has nothing to do with romance or sexuality.
1: It's an expression of natural and healthy living. Thank you, Bill. And with that, we are proud to present this completely non-romantic segment from last August. Maeve, we're asking you to play a new game that we're calling... What's new with German nudists? So, Maeve, in this edition of What's New with German Nudists, people enjoying a, a park in Berlin, Germany, were surprised when a naked man ran through the park doing what?
5: Oh, I mean, I've seen German nudists, and you know what they love to do is put moisturizer on one another. Really? So was he was he putting moisturizer on somebody else?
1: No, he was not putting moisturizer on somebody else.
5: Um, he was just chasing his dreams. A German nudist was chasing his dreams in Berlin.
1: Not That just sounds like
5: an album name.
1: It's hard to hint to. Do either of you gentlemen know this? Did you catch this story? No idea. I will uh... give it to you. He was chasing the wild boar that had stolen his laptop. (laughs) It happened in a park in Berlin where people often sunbathe nude. It's Germany. They do that. But it was unusual that a boar and her two piglets grabbed a backpack that just happened to contain this old naked guy's laptop, and they took off running... And the man got up to chase after them into the trees, mm-hmm. running past, and this is key someone with their camera out.
5: I guess, like, the boar needed to communicate or needed hey, to get online for boars, some reason.
1: Boars need to get on Instagram as well. I mean, you know, come on now. That sounds like the story you would tell while you were doing something else.
2: You know, officer, you're not going to believe it. A boar stole my laptop. I was
1: chasing him into the woods. I didn't even know those women were there.
4: It
5: just sounds I like heard dangerous. the squealing and I couldn't help looking.
1: Yeah. Now, the, it's happy ending. The man got his laptop back. Plus, he got the phone numbers of three guys who admired his Veltenschong. <laughs> it all sounds so dangerous also. The idea of running mm. naked. Like, I just
6: wouldn't want to be anywhere in the brush. Like, ugh, it just yeah. feels like you could get hurt.
1: It's true. And also, uh.
5: Berlin is such an urban, I mean, it's, a, it's literally a city. I can't believe that there's boars there and there's space for nudists there.
1: Thank
6: God they got rid of the barbed wire.
1: Ooh. Oh, yes. <laughs> when we come back, star of stage and screen, Andrew Reynolds, plus the bright side of being stuck at home. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Osea. Elevate your summer with Osea's Best Seller's Body Care Set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go, featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Undaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the Best Seller's Body Care Set, a $78 value, 33% off, and use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. Go to OSEAMalibu.com, code SUMMER.
5: This episode of Life Kit, we're getting intimate. Exploring yourself is a really great way to, one, pass the time, but also just to get to know yourself better.
7: Understanding the power of touch and self-pleasure. How self-appreciation can spark deeper engagement with ourselves and the world. Listen now to NPR's Life Kit.
2: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. And here's your host, the man who's still hoping to hear back from the girl he passed a note to in seventh grade,
1: Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. This is a week in which you might have paid more attention to how you look than you have for the past year. And that, for many of us, just means putting on a slightly cleaner pair of pajamas.
2: But last year, we offered some tips on improving your look
1: anyway in limerick form hi you're on wait wait don't tell me hi hi who's
3: this um this is katie from washington dc
1: hey katie how are you
3: i am about as good as one can be these days
1: that's the best (laughs) that we can hope for what do you do there in washington
7: i am a policy advisor to a united states senator
1: Ooh! Goodness. Is that, is that Goodness. as exciting and fun as I assume it would be? They have very serious meetings and walk briskly down corridors discussing important things?
3: Um, there, there was some of that, right, um, back in the day, but it's been several months. Um, there has been no hallway brisk walking.
1: Mm. Right. Well, Katie, welcome to our show. Now you're playing the Listener Limerick Challenge, which means that Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly, and two of the limericks will be a big winner. You ready to play? Sure I am. Here is your first limerick.
2: Though camping life can be a mess, I still wear fancy clothes that impress. It might come as a shock, I pitch tents
1: in a frock. I go hiking while wearing a... Dress? Yes, Yes, dress. Very good. This week, Outside Magazine published an ode to the adventure dress, a dress you wear while hiking. The magazine praised the dresses for being comfortable and flexible, while Poison Ivy called them a breakthrough in convenience. It sounds very Little House on the Prairie. Very much so. The adventure dress is gaining in popularity. You just pair them with a chunky sunblock and your favorite hiking stilettos, and you're ready for a night out on the trail. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this was not that big a deal, but apparently it is, to have dresses that are made specifically for outdoor adventure. I mean, you know, there will be hiking skirts, even kilts. But don't make a rock climbing kilt. There are some <laughs> things we don't want to see. <laughs> All right, very good. Here is your next limerick. On
2: TikTok, I've seen some reports that say legs look good on and off courts. More guys have now been seen with cute five-inch inseams. So I've cut down the length of my...
1: Shorts. Right! While women are getting into hiking dresses, men are getting into Daisy Dukes. Apparently, five-and-a-half-inch inseams on shorts make men way hotter finally giving admirers a good look at those hairy thighs this is all according to the new york post so why would they lie right. i right. hope yeah. this
2: isn't a trend i don't need <laughs> the accessory of five and a half inch shorts Just, no we're, we have to know.
6: alonzo i did a story about this and let me tell you the reason you want to be wearing shorter shorts is that on men legs are the last things to go You you did a story about this? I did for CBS Sunday Morning about 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 men's shorts and why men should be wearing shorter shorts. I mean, I know
4: it sounds a little
6: So what you're telling me is
1: that as men get older, say to my age, and everything else has fallen apart. Everything else, Peter, everything else is falling apart, but your
6: legs will stay intact pretty much until the very end.
1: Really? So if I'm going to go out, I might as well show off the only part of me that does not look like a complete wreck. I, I, exactly
5: and that's why so often now they have an open casket but just the bottom half is open I, I, exactly,
1: exactly yeah. get a
5: look at those pins sometimes that's... a
1: half a casket so the legs just stick out the bottom <laughs> Katie uh, Katie here is your last limerick
2: I'll feign youth with no sarcastic perjury I saw docks but without drastic urgency the pandemic allows lifted cheeks and firmed brows I took time for some quick...
7: I didn't hear the last word, but I'm pretty sure it's plastic surgery. You're
1: You're right, plastic surgery. Very good. Plastic surgeons are reporting a backlog of people making appointments, citing that patients, quote, aren't liking what they're seeing on Zoom. So apparently your coworkers aren't actually listening to your presentation. They're trying to figure out if they would like your nose instead. (laughs) quarantine is also a great time to get surgery because we're not socializing we can spend however many weeks in isolation waiting for the scars to heal and when you go out if you have to go out you get to wear a mask plus while you're getting the nose job you can have your doctors seal up your nostrils for extra safety <laughs> you don't need a nose job if you wear shorter shorts because no one will be looking at your nose they'll be yes. going oh my god <laughs>
5: yeah well i did i maybe now is a good time to say i got i finally got my butt implants that i've been saving you up did mm-hmm. and how do you feel do
1: you feel better about yourself because it's really yeah. what it's about
5: it's I, so comfy when i sit down now it's just woof, you were
6: sitting up higher on the screen I'm
5: so happy thank you, you mo six thousand dollars worth of uh whoopee cushions that they just inserted into uh my lower back
1: oh. <laughs> bill how did katie do on our quiz Katie did
2: great. She got them all right. Very good score. (laughs) Congratulations,
1: Katie. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. We've been stuck inside for almost a year now, but it hasn't all been bad. We asked our panelists back in September about a benefit of being locked in, and also, when you finally can't take it, how best to get rid of your house hurry according to a new study people have saved as much as two thousand dollars a piece during the pandemic just because they've been making what at home uh dinner no lunch Breakfast? Um, can i get a hint sure i've got a flat white for me is there a me here sex (laughs) (laughs) coffee yes coffee Estimates are that since people are making coffee from home rather than buying it from coffee shops, we're saving up to $2,000 per person over the course of the pandemic. Of course, we still miss the experience of going to a Starbucks, so some of us have been recreating it by burning a $10 bill while misspelling our own name. Or, (laughs) if you really want to capture it, invite random strangers inside to stay in your bathroom for like 25 minutes. And use your (laughs) Wi-Fi. Exactly.
4: Oh, I've saved money on everything since the pandemic you know the only thing i can't save money on is, is pet food you know yeah they, they I, just keep and I, eating when they look at me you know with those sad eyes i go but there's a pandemic and they still want to be fed
2: <laughs> you can make your own pet food at home You can? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all you need is like some dead animals in a blender. (laughs) It's true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, don't get too cocky about saving all this money on coffee. We've also been blowing that money on sourdough starters and Zoom couples counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Paula, the Wall Street Journal reports that people across the country are increasing the value of their homes by taking what simple step? Uh... Doesn't cost anything except maybe just a new sign on front.
4: Um, oh, putting a, p- a political sign in their front yard?
1: Oh, heck no! I'll give you another hint. Like you could be living in Poundstone Manor.
4: Oh, they just—they just have a name for their dwelling.
1: Yes, yeah. giving your house a name increases its <laughs> apparent value. You could put a fancy new kitchen in your trash heap of a house, or you could just put out a sign that says "Trash Heap Hall" and get ten grand over asking. Wow. That's fair. Who wants a feral know. home? That's true. Yeah. Okay, I so mean, if, you... If,
2: if you name your house, does it come when you call?
4: <laughs> My house, yes. Pandemic Palace, yes. should fly <laughs>
1: off the shelf. Yeah. It should. It should. No, realtors yeah. and Airbnbers are, are, helping, are finding a name really attracts customers. I mean, wow, I know this place has a weird smell, but what if I told you it was called Casa de Previous Owner Had Cats?
2: <laughs> now, uh, do cutesy names work you know I mean um, you know wits end and stuff like that Ooh. how about New Zealand I feel like New Zealand would be New a, Zealand I, I, would would Harry, I would definitely New Zealand that would that be an excellent name for a house yeah.
1: yeah. and you can use it as an excuse no I don't live with my mom I live in Chateau Mamá <laughs> exactly Le Basement de
2: Chateau Mamá <laughs> Believe it or not, we weren't always locked inside. It's true. There was a time when we were allowed to go to theaters and talk to people in front of other people. I was there. Don't
1: believe him? Here's proof. In March of 2019, we gathered in our theater in Chicago and talked to Andrew Rannells, who became famous first on Broadway in The Book of Mormon and then on TV in Girls and Black Monday. But I wanted to ask him about all the jobs he lost before he hit it big.
2: The sounds you hear as we speak to him are what we called an audience.
1: Okay, well, it was
8: by my choice, just to be clear. All right. (laughs) Uh, I was very good at an interview. Yeah. I would give a very solid job interview, and then I would get the job, show up, work for one day, decide I hated it, and then leave.
1: Really? So can you give me an example of the kind of job you you did for a day, then left?
8: Well, I did work at a restaurant near Columbia University called Nacho Mama's. Yeah. And I worked there as a host for one day, and then I just never returned. Right.
4: Andrew, this is Paula Poundstone. Can I ask you a question? When you applied for work at Nacho Mama's, had you been there before? Had you seen it? Did you know what you were in for?
8: Yes, Paula. I'm I'm sad to say I knew exactly what I was getting into, but... (laughs) i had only been drunk at that bar i had never thought about what it would actually be like to work for drunk people at the bar so you
4: didn't did you ask any questions during your interview did you ever say like so what will i do
8: oh god no paula i um that was also like i had a job i was a temp at ernst and young Mm -hmm. and they asked me all these questions about like do you know how to answer phones and i was like sure uh and then when Wait once a I was there, do you there, not
1: know how to answer phones?
8: <laughs> well, I think like I think there were it was multiple lines. Right. So like, oh, that's what I think oh. that's complicated. yeah, that yeah. is hard. Yeah. So all my only what? experience that was watching Lily Tomlin and Nine to Five do it. <laughs> right,
4: right.
1: Now you grew up in uh, Omaha. We were just talking about theater kids in high school, so I assume you were one.
8: Well, I, yes, but I went to an all-boys Catholic school that did not have a drama program, so I did, like, community theater shows, yeah. which means I would often be, like, I remember when I was, like, I don't know, 17, and I did a production of A Funny Thing Happens on the Way to the Forum, right. but the woman I was playing opposite was, like, 45. Right. Um, I did a lot of shows like that. You did a lot of shows yeah. That's like That's
1: called that.
4: acting, Andrew.
8: Yeah, it's acting. <laughs> it was acting.
1: Mm-hmm. I-, I have to ask, how did the whole Catholic school thing work out for you?
8: So great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you, you move off to New York to, to be a performer. And uh, how quickly did it take you to get actually performing jobs? Um, you know, I started
8: performing. I did some like summer stock jobs like right after like while I was still in college and then wow. I did some dinner theater in Westchester. And then uh I I did a really unfortunate tour of a show called Pokémon Live.
1: Wait. Um, so when you you were in a live Pokémon show? Was this was the, this performance on ice or just
8: How dare you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am a trained actor. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Can you give us a sample? I have no idea what this was like. Can you give us, like, a sample of what your lines were from Pokemon the Stage Spectacular?
8: No, I will not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we read that you used to audition all the time with just one song.
8: uh, That is correct. I decided for myself that I sounded very good singing Born to Run. Right. Wow. By Bruce Springsteen. So I would just sing that for every audition, whether it was correct or not. Like I sang it for my audition um, for the Lincoln Center revival of South Pacific. Mm-hmm. And I sang it for the revival of Fiddler on the Roof.
2: <laughs> Do you channel like that like, white man emotion in that song? Yeah. yeah. Do you channel that into the performance? Well,
8: lucky for me, I'm an emotional white man. Yeah, I know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Andrew Reynolds, it is an absolute pleasure to talk to you, but now it is time to play a game with you, and we are calling it the Book of Merman. Ooh. You start in the Book of Mormon, but what do you know about the Book of Merman, namely Ethel Merman?
8: Wait a second, is this because I'm gay? <laughs> I mean, fine either way.
1: Okay. <laughs> We're going to ask you three questions about Ethel Merman. You get two right. That's all you need to do. You win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Andrew Rannells playing for? Andrew Johnston of New York, New York. All right. All right. Here we go. First question. There are a lot of stories of Ethel Merman's, quote, colorful language. Once she was backstage at Gypsy, of course, her big signature role, and overheard the stage manager swearing in front of the children in the cast. What did she say? Was it A? Nobody corrupts those little angels but me. So bleep off. B? Nothing. She just sang a high C until everybody's fled. <laughs> or C, quote, she said, "Don't say in front of the kids." I'm going with C. You're right. <laughs> A lot of stories about Ethel Merman's uh, colorful language. There's a story that when a religious Hollywood actress asked her to put a dollar in a swear jar for saying hell, she said, well, how much do I have to put in to make you (laughs) (laughs) All right, next question. Ethel Merman's fourth and final marriage was to actor Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. It lasted only 32 days. Wow. What did she say about the marriage in her autobiography? Was it A, my marriage to Borgnine was the only thing shorter than he was? B, at work he did McHale's Navy, at home he was McHale's lazy, or C, nothing. The chapter entitled, My Marriage to Ernest Borgnine, consisted of a single blank page. Ooh. A? No, it was not A, it was C. It was only a blank page. All right. Yeah, it was not good. There are various stories about why their marriage broke up. Uh, One of them, believe it or not, is that Borgnine used to like to fart in bed and then pull up the covers, giving her a so-called Dutch oven. (laughs) And I wish I was kidding. All right, but if you get this last one right, Andrew, you win for your listener. Ms. Merman continued performing almost up to her death in 1984. Which of these was her last role? A, the voice of the shrieking poltergeist in E.T., B, playing a crazy person who thinks he is Ethel Merman, or C, Grand Moff Berfinian in The Empire Strikes Back. B. You are right. Wow. It's in the movie Airplane. Robert Hayes is telling a war story about the old corporal whatever who went crazy and thought he was Ethel Merman and they cut to it and it's Ethel Merman. (laughs) And that was her last role.
2: That's some good casting. I know. Bill, how
1: did Andrew Randles do
2: in our quiz? Two out of three. That's a big win for us, Andrew.
1: Congratulations did do it! I think it's awesome. This will be part of your volume two, I hope. I hope so too. Angel Rannell's new memoir Too Much Is Not Enough is out now. Angel Rannell's, what a pleasure to talk to you and thank you so much for joining us. Thank and you. Know,
5: got I mean.
1: Take care. When we come back an interview with the best Drew Barrymore impersonator alive and the best basketball player ever named after a Steely Dan album. We'll be back in a minute with more Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR.
3: Is it possible to engineer our way out of the climate crisis? Some entrepreneurs want to shoot particles into the stratosphere to combat global warming. Experts say regulations on this technology aren't keeping up. The world of solar geoengineering on the latest episode of The Sunday Story from NPR's Up First podcast.
1: Instead of scrolling mindlessly, engage mindfully with the NPR app. With a mix of on-demand news, stories from this station, and your favorite podcast, you can relax without shutting off your brain. Download the NPR app today.
2: On NPR's Throughline, We cannot function for 24 hours without cobalt because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you
1: get your podcasts.
4: The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download it in your app store today.
5: There is so much Black excellence in the sciences that we want to celebrate. So in honor of Black History Month, all this week, Shortwave is featuring conversations with Black scientists and educators, people doing incredible work and pushing for a world where science serves everyone. Listen now to the Shortwave podcast from NPR.
2: From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host, one of the only people in the world to celebrate, say,
1: Valentine's Day, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. It's our Valentine's Day edition, which we're using as an excuse to bring you some interviews with people we really love.
2: For example, actor Sarah Paulson, she told us she hates
1: to watch herself on screen. And Peter thought he might understand why. I kind of get you not wanting to watch yourself perform because I'm watching American Horror Story Asylum right now. And good Lord, they really put you <laughs> through the ringer. It's true. So how did it work? Like every year they came to you and said, oh, Sarah, you're going to love this year. This year, you're going to be committed to an insane asylum against your will and then kidnapped by a serial murderer. And I'm like, sign me right up. <laughs>
7: Thank sign you. me right up. Listen, you, all I ever wanted was like a black tooth and a, and a peg leg. And so like... <laughs> I'm, you know, doing all kinds of wackadoos, running from clowns, screaming, crying. Mostly, it's a lot of
1: screaming and crying does does being tortured fictionally, <laughs> yes, fictionally. that much actually start to have an effect on your psyche it. For me, it does. I've almost passed out a couple times. They've thrown some salt tablets at me a couple really? of times. It's like, <laughs> it's like, all right, everybody cut, break for lunch. Somebody revive Sarah, please. Yeah, I exactly. Sarah
7: up, get some smelling salts. If you just want to throw her an electrolyte little tablet, I think it will be good to go. And, you know, and, the, and I still keep showing up every season. I don't know what's wrong with me. I,
1: I remember reading, and this happened to be a, a scene in Game of Thrones, and it was just some of the villains being villainous. And the actors were like, mm-hmm. we were so insanely villainous villainous. villainous to each other during the scene that as soon as they called Cutwheel broke into laughter because it was just so over the top cruelty. And did you ever was it ever like that in the set of that show? I mean, so many awful things are being done to each other by each of you that when they call cut, you're like, oh, my God, that was great. Oh, when you stabbed me. I (laughs) love that.
7: Some, some other people on our set are doing that, but I'm over there like, that really hurt. You know, it's like, I just take it too far. But there are plenty of pranksters on our sets who, you know, in my opinion, just don't take the work seriously.
5: And if they did take it more seriously
7: and were more dedicated to their craft, they might too need to visit a psychiatric
6: institution. I want to know, and I'm not, I'm, believe me, I'm not putting you on the spot here, but I just want to know, Drew Barrymore has a talk show now have you been a guest on it yet i haven't but she's asked
1: me (laughs) (laughs) well that is a really random question
7: no it's because he's not random he's actually asking an informed question because i do an impression of drew barrymore and have done it publicly (laughs) and so he's asking because
1: all right until this very moment i did not know that a drew barrymore impression was even possible because i was not aware that drew barrymore spoke in such a distinctive way
7: what? What are you <laughs> talking about? There's like one very, very defining characteristic about her, and that's her lisp. Lisp.
1: I, I'm on. Alright, show me. Yeah. Prove
7: okay. It. Um. Hi. It's so nice to meet you guys. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. All nah, so right.
1: Much. I am proved wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
7: you, you guys. I've loved being here. This is so wonderful. <laughs>
1: Um, we understand that uh, you actually had a role, it was on Studio 60 in the Sunset Strip, that Aaron yeah. Sorkin show that came and went, in which you, you played an, an actor, a performer, whose great skill was imitating a whale. A Is dolphin. This, a dolphin, excuse me. So yeah. so you presumably can, in fact, imitate I can dolphins.
7: try. It's been, a, it's been a long time. <clears throat> Hold on. <laughs> Do Drew Barrymore talking to the dolphin. I just I'm so excited to meet you. <laughs> this so Actually, didn't she do a movie where she was rescuing a whale from underneath I the crashed ice? She
6: did. Yes, I think she did. I think she did too. It's called Big Miracle. <laughs> and she and, and, and it was <laughs> with Drew Barrymore and John Krasinski. Thank you. Did you just did you just Google that? No, Sarah, I just know that. Who doesn't?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it has been a delight to talk to you, but well, you starred an American Horror Story, so we have asked you here to play a game we're calling... Canadian Horror Story. <laughs> so, horror is a little different in Canada. We're going to ask you about three terrible, awful, bad things that happened to our neighbors to the north. Brr. Get two right, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might choose in their home answering machine. Bill, who is Sarah Paulson playing for? Paul Brown of Cincinnati, Ohio. All right. You ready to do this?
7: I'm a competitive person. Hit me. Go.
1: All right. Here we go. This is your first Canadian horror story. One of the worst scandals in Canadian political history happened in 1971 when Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau was accused of doing what? Was it A, parking in such a way that he took up two spaces, (laughs) B, possibly mouthing a dirty word on the House floor, or C, cutting in line at a buffet, saying he didn't have to stand in line again because he was just getting more bread.
7: <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with three.
1: No, I'm afraid it was B.
7: I thought he... that was too obvious. No. No, Can I Sarah, do another Sarah, one,
1: Sarah, No, sir,
6: you don't <laughs> yes, understand. We did, we're we, very you're... obvious.
1: Yes. Okay, good to know. Not,
7: I'll, I'll, I'll make sure is... to keep that in mind going forward.
1: What happened was, is yes, uh, this whole scandal, and it was a scandal is known as the fuddle-duddle scandal because he, mat- he maintains that's what he was mouthing. Fuddle-duddle? Fuddle-duddle.
7: Pretty sure that's well, not what he was mouthing.
1: Yeah. yeah, the Canadians weren't buying it either, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. right, you have two more chances. All Don't right. Don't worry about it. <sighs> Come on. Another terrible thing uh, horrified uncounted numbers of Canadians in 1985 when what happened to them? A, they purchased canned tuna that may have turned bad. B. They paid for a pay-per-view curling event that ended up being about hair curling, or C. They saw Back to the Future and believed falsely that somebody had overdubbed Michael J. Fox's Canadian accent with an American one. Oh, God,
7: C is so this, good. I, I want it to be C so badly, I do too. but I suspect it's A.
1: And you're right, Sarah. Oh. It was in fact oh. A. This again was another huge scandal. People lost their jobs because this. Tuna that did not pass inspection was canned and sold anyway, and as far as anybody knows, nobody was affected by the bad tuna in any way.
7: <laughs> That's right. a real horror story right there.
1: All right, your last question. A Canadian named David Stupich was convicted for running a criminal enterprise that involved what sinister plot? A, selling grade B maple syrup that was falsely labeled as grade A. Oh. B, diverting the income from a charity bingo game for his own use. Or C, fixing minor league hockey games by slightly melting the ice on one side. It's not B, though. B is just too grim.
7: It's funny because I was going to say B. Oh, don't God. Listen to Moe. But
1: don't listen to Moe. B. <laughs> yes, it's B.
7: See, my instincts are good, Mo. Your instincts are certainly are, better than yours. You are leading me the wrong way, sir. Absolutely
1: no, it was B. It was known as Bingo Gate, and uh, he was convicted of this crime and sentenced to two years of having to live with his daughter. I don't know what? why that was a punishment, <laughs> but that was his sentence. Wow, Bill, nice. how did Sarah
2: Paulson do in our quiz? Two out of three, Sarah. That's a win. Thank God! Yes, I indeed. I love to
7: win. I like to win. <laughs> I like
4: to win. I like to win. I like winning.
5: <laughs>
1: Sarah Paulson is an Emmy-winning actress you can see in the new movie Run, streaming on Hulu. Sarah Paulson, thank you so much for joining us. You were just thank delightful. Thank you
7: so much for having me.
1: Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.
7: From your car radio to your smart speaker, NPR meets you where you are in a
3: lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today.
1: The NBA managed to finish their season in, quote, the bubble in Orlando, Florida. But so did the WNBA, which played its entire season on a school campus near Sarasota.
2: The MVP of that season was Asia Wilson who some say is the greatest woman to ever play the game. Despite all the praise and trophies, she says it wasn't easy.
9: Um, But at the end of the day, I really miss my puppies. I, I miss my family and my boyfriend. It was so hard not having them. Uh, come to the bubble but yeah it was definitely just like a a different kind of feel when I got out of the bubble my boyfriend kind of treated me like I was in prison sure it's just like you know we're going to Chick-fil-a you can use the credit card (laughs) like
1: wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you spent I don't know how many weeks isolated away from him and his idea of like a romantic reunion dinner is (laughs) Chick-fil-a
9: yeah it was just he knew that's what I wanted so bad like I just sure I can see
1: that You've been an elite athlete playing to huge crowds for a very long time, so it must have been really weird to play in front of nobody. Am I right?
9: <laughs> yes, actually, it was probably one of the worst things. It didn't really play in my favor because uh, the refs can now hear what you have to say. Uh, oh, so no. after I made a bucket, I was like, and eh, f- one. And then the refs just like, okay, I hear you now. So here we go. T <laughs> <laughs> And it was in like game five. Like it was just like elimination game, like winner go home. So like the stakes are high, emotions flying. And all of a sudden, like I get teed up and I'm just like, excuse me, like that is my paycheck you're taking out of. I'm here for three months. And you're getting mad at me because I cussed on the court doing something that I'm passionate about. So, yeah, I miss the crowd in that way. Is
5: that NBA, WNBA? Like, what other leagues? I've, I've seen them all cuss. The coaches cuss. That's
9: what I'm saying. And I'm just
1: like.
5: All right.
9: Is this, is this sexism? Like I they're think like, it is. Yeah, it's insane,
1: yeah, man. but
5: like cause they, the boys they, can they, cuss, but the girls can't. Right. They Why pay you see? a
1: fraction of what they pay the men, yeah. and you're not even allowed to swear about it? Okay, <laughs> I'm mad.
9: Yeah, Steve. That's why I was like, oh I miss the crowds because that way they don't hear me." But yeah, <laughs> they yeah they were all up in our grill. That's certified nonsense.
5: That is. You're ridiculous. a professional athlete. It's not like you're a somebody on a on, a, on an NPR show.
3: Right? Yeah. yeah, me cussing would be ridiculous. Like. <laughs> Ah, I love the effing news! Like,
1: no. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I always assume whenever I'm lucky enough to talk to somebody at your level that you were always good at basketball. I know your father played ball, right?
9: Well, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily say that I was always good. I was the uh, young girl on the end of the bench that uniform was falling off of her. I had to hold my socks up with rubber bands because I was so skinny. And my dad was my coach, so I knew I was not good at basketball when my own father wouldn't play me. Sounds like your dad wanted to win, yo. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs>
9: right. Winning over his daughter. I get I it. I, I, it helped me. Cause I was like, okay, I gotta earn my dad's trust right now. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I, I,
1: I, I heard this and I just have to ask you if it's true that your, your first name is Asia, A-J-A. Is it true that you were named after the Steely Dan record? I was,
9: yeah. That was my dad's favorite song. Uh, he would always play it, and he told my mom if he would ever have a daughter, he would name her Asia. And when I was born, my dad was like, okay, Asia it is.
5: How does it go? Could you just, I, I don't, I'm not familiar.
9: Um... <laughs>
3: up on a hill <laughs> <laughs> and then I know like, that's how
9: I
5: tell like the song goes <laughs> the the <laughs> like, oh, yeah,
9: you
1: say my name <laughs> 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 I out <laughs> well Asia Wilson it is really great to talk to you but we have in fact invited you here to play a game we're calling please take a number and stand in line so you're the MVP, so we were wondering what you might know about the DMV, the office where we are all forced to spend time if we want to drive. Answer two out of three questions correctly, you'll win our prize for one of our listeners, the voice of anyone they might choose in their voicemail. Bill, who is Asia Wilson playing for? Andrew Dunn of Boston, Massachusetts. All right, you ready for this? Yeah. Well, here's your first question. A man trying to register his car in New England after moving there from New Mexico ran into some serious resistance at his local DMV. Why? A, they refused to believe that there ever was a car make called Dotson. B, the DMV official said, we don't register cars from foreign countries. Or C, the clerk said, wait a minute, New Mexico? You're Walter White fleeing justice, aren't you? I hate you. Um, I'm going to go with... A. You're going to go with A, that they refused to believe there ever was a car called a Datsun. Yes. It was actually B. In order to register his car, he says, (laughs) somebody had to go get a road atlas and show the people that, yes, New Mexico is in fact a state in the United States. All right, it's okay. You have two more chances.
5: I love how competitive she is. She just might
4: cuss, 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 cuss. It's public radio. They
3: don't ever have to pay for the bleeps. They got a whole bleep account that they've never used. Cuss,
1: bleep. Wait a minute, Dulce thinks you have like we have like a box of bleeps somewhere we've never had to use because nobody I, I swears know on public radio. Bleeps cost
4: money, but nobody ever
3: cusses.
1: On That's public true. Public
3: radio, <laughs> Asia. This is your time to shine, friend!
1: (laughs) All right, you still have two more chances you can win this thing. Here is your next question. The DMV is where you go to get vanity plates, which have gotten some people into trouble, like which of these? A, a California man who got a vanity plate that says NULL, N-U-L-L, and as a result, he gets sent every ticket when the traffic cop forgets to write in the license number? B, an Illinois woman who has caused 14 accidents with her plate look behind you, or C, a Utah man who was caught having an affair when his wife saw his cheatin' heart vanity plate in the parking lot of a motel. I have to get one of these. I honestly have never seen anyone worry as much about this (laughs) as, as you are right now. You're actually, you're hyperventilating a little. You're sweating. I am
9: sweating.
1: Okay, can There's I ask? There's a reason why she's the MVP, Peter. <laughs> Apparently. This is the passion and intensity she brings to every competition. I can see it oh, now. Oh, God. Give her A&B <laughs> again. Yeah, what's what's A&B, A&B again. A&B is the California man. He got null, N-U-L-L. I like, like, I'm liking the null because
9: every time you put an a, it in, it, it forgets it
1: because it's null. Right. You're going to choose that? Yes. Yes, you're right. Very good. You got that one. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, we were all sweating. We were all we sweating were. for it's, you.
4: It's like, I'm sweating for you. This is very exciting. I'm,
1: I'm actually palpitating a little. This is very <laughs> intense. All right, last question. Okay. Some of the stereotypes about the DMV apparently have some truth to them, as in which of these cases? A, a survey at a Michigan DMV office found that 30% of the people there sincerely believed that they had died and gone to hell. B an investigation by the Chicago Sun-Times showed that all the computers in the Illinois DMV aren't even turned on and employees just pretend to type in things all day. Or C a state audit found one employee at a California DMV slept on the job for 3 hours a day every day for 4 years.
9: Oh my god.
1: C. Yes. Yes, that oh right, is right.
9: Turns out that woman ended up being paid
1: for 2,200 hours of sleeping. <laughs> oh
9: my God,
1: I'm so happy I got through that. Bill, how Bill, how did Asia do in her quiz? She
2: won with two out
1: of three. <laughs> Asia Wilson is a forward for the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, and she was the MVP of that league for 2020. She's also the founder of of the Asia Wilson Foundation. More information at ajawilsonfoundation.org. Asia Wilson, what an absolute joy to talk to you. You're a delight. Thank you so much for being with us. You're the best. Thank you for having me. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our house manager is Gianna Capadona. Our intern is Emma Choi. Our web guru is Beth Novi. B.J. Liederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dernbos, and Lillian King. How now, Peter Gwynn? Technical is from Lorna White. Her business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Sherlock. And the executive producer, wait, wait, don't tell me, is Mike Danforth. Thanks to everyone you heard on our show this week, all our panelists, all our guests, and of course, Bill Curtis. Thanks to all of you for listening every week. Spring is almost here, guys. I can feel it. I'm Peter Sagal, and we'll be back with a new show next week. This is NPR.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com NPR to get 10% off your first month. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college
3: campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing?